Welcome. You're listening to Advocacy Conversations with A&J. I'm Alicia. I guide amazing souls to a life where they flourish through soul messages, energy shifts, and spiritual tools. I'm Jess, a 40-year-old queer fat activist with a passion for reading, dance, and making people laugh. Each week, we enjoy open and honest conversations with each other and occasional guests that will inspire our listeners to advocate for themselves, try something new, or get answers to burning questions. A couple of disclaimers before we start the episode. The thoughts and opinions shared on this podcast are that of the individuals participating in the conversations. The views shared are not substitute for professional, medical, or legal advice. Now let's jump into the conversation. Hello, everyone. Hello. Yay. <laughs> lackluster. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's really excited to be here today to talk about this topic. I am always excited. Well, we are here. Oh gosh, I lost my thing. There I am. We are here because January is uh, Cervical Awareness Month, and as women with lady bits. Yeah. I want everyone to be aware of it. Yeah. Um, or I would say humans with lady bits. Right. Right. Um, we got to be aware of it. So um, Alicia was uh, so gracious to do some research on this topic. And um, so we're going to chat with you a little bit about why it's important. Um, I think it's like the fourth leading cause of death in women's is cervical cancer. Um, yeah, I think so. You're right. Like it's a, it's right up there. Um, and there's lots of screening and things that can be done. I'm um, considering it is something that we can screen for because so many of what happens to women's lady bits or humans with lady bits is unscreenable. <laughs> We're going to pay attention to the things that are screenable. Um, but uh, talk to me a little bit about why we, we came up with this topic and then we'll go from there. Well, I was looking at trying to come up with some ideas for conversations that we could have. And this podcast is about becoming an advocate for yourself. And I think that a simple tool for doing that is to see when there are those awareness months. So breast cancer awareness, cervical cancer awareness, all of these, like why not use the resources that are like being shoved down your throat and like actually educate ourselves about it so that we can, um, if you catch things early enough, oftentimes you have a better outcome. And so I thought um, since Jess and I have gone through some um, issues with our medical, like we need to know about this too, to stay in the forefront. And um, I'm not, just so everyone knows, this isn't necessarily like a us telling you what to do and how to do it. This is just a conversation. I found some information on, um, can't remember what the website is, but it's like a national foundation for infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're just going to go through the seven key facts um, as a spot of awareness. You make Mm -hmm. your decisions for your body, your body, your choice. Um, And so... Um, I just think let's talk about this because women's health is not discussed enough 
because there's shame because we have uteruses and fallopian tubes and that's just ridiculous um so that's why well, it's very interesting because I'm the first thing that's coming to my mind is I remember when I was a young kid and they used to tell me, oh, you need to have your pap smear or your smear every year. Mm-hmm. And because uh, insurance companies don't want to cu- pay for that, it changed to being like, oh, no, you only need it every three years Mm -hmm. and then if you get to a certain age it's every five years and obviously they have some vaccinations for a leading uh a virus that's a leading cause of cervical cancer which is hpv we'll probably get into that in the the conversation Mm -hmm. in a little bit they have been trying to like set that off now spoiler alert that was not around when alicia and i were growing up and i remember being 26 years old in a gynecologist's office and they asked if I had it. And I said, no. And they said, well, you need to get it done before you turn this age if you want it to be effective. And I was like, well, why is there an expiration date of when it would be effective? If, you know, like, so those are lots of questions that I have. But again, I think it comes to the care of people with female reproductive organs, um, any human with that. It, it is, it, the care is subpar at best. And if it was affecting men at the astronomical levels or um, humans with male reproductive parts, um, we would see a little bit more care taken and they wouldn't cut it out of the care that would be just standard preventative care. Um, to keep us healthy. So, cause I know that I can only have, um, a pap smear, I think once every three years, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's what we can have now yeah. for insurance to cover it when it used to be, you had it every year and it was just to make sure that we were keeping ev- everybody healthy and safe. So that's all I'm going to say yeah. about that. And I do want to just point out one thing. Doctors now are pushing for the pap smear to happen every three to four years. Um, but please call your insurance company yourself and see if they cover it every year because my doctor prescribed it every three to four years, but my insurance does pay for it still every year, as long as it's within 12 months of each other um, or, you know, 12 months have passed. So double check. This is just another Mm -hmm. great example of the inconsistency between health insurance and the medical provider. I understand medical providers cannot be a hundred percent aware of everybody's medical plan. So advocate for yourself and follow up and make sure um, that it would be covered. And if it brings you peace of mind to get it every year, then I invite you to find a practitioner that will allow that and are open to that without guilting you or shaming you at all. Um, Because I I would love to know what changed their mind. Like, I want to know why it used to be like, yes, every year, we're going to do this every year. It's just preventative. It's just to make sure that we're making sure everything is great mm-hmm. for them to all of a sudden be like, you know, we could. I mean, I know, again, medic- medicine is a practice and everything is always evolving. Right. You know, but. Well, they say a quarter of prevention is worth like whatever, you know. Like, right. It, there's benefit to it. I feel like actually the vaccine had a. Uh, big a hand part in that. of it, um, mm-hmm. but that's just me sitting here thinking about it. So don't don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, that's it's just it's interesting because I know people who are in their twenties and haven't had one yet. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting one at 18 and asking me if I was sexually active at the part wasn't part of the question. And I, I believe that's at least if I recall what my, a friend of mine told me, that's part of the question. If you are sexually active, then they say yeah. we should get one. If not, then you can wait. And it's just like, right. well, um, cancer doesn't judge your sexual right. past. So I don't know. I just, um, cervical cancer isn't the only thing that a pap smear helps Correct. find. And so I understand part of it, but I don't know. I, I err on the side of caution. Um mm-hmm. I'm getting one this year again, um, but I also lost my mother to cancer. So maybe I'm just a little bit more sensitive about that. But uh, luckily it's my body. So I get to make that choice and my insurance does cover it. Right. And thank God you have an uh, insurance policy because again, that's a privilege that not all have. Um, And Again, why healthcare should be a right, not a privilege, because mm-hmm. preventative care saves everyone in the end, resources, everything like that. So yeah. um, what are some other things that you found out when you were looking at that uh, website um, that you mentioned? Well, one thing that just for those that need numbers, um, HPV is a common virus that 80% of all sexually active people have at some point. Um, and it's just, I guess that points out how normal it could be to have HPV. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's where I, you know, HPV is a virus. Um, it's also not a judger of who you are or, or care how much money you have. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that, um, I was surprised by the number of 80% because that yes. just seemed so high. Um, and I would be interested in seeing, and I probably should have researched this part of it, but I'm interested in knowing the age brackets within. Oh, I saw that. that the statistic. age brackets. So not just the 80%, but I think it was 35, the age is between 35 and 44 with an mm-hmm. average age of 50 de- being diagnosed. So, okay. and again, it's because it's almost like one of those things where you contract that virus during probably a, a, a peak of sexual activity mm-hmm. and then it takes a bit for it to become an invasive cancerous yeah. uh, inhibitor inside your body. So, um, cause again, like you said, cancer doesn't discriminate. And so, um, the app and again, 35 to 44 is when a lot of people become innately in tune with their body. Like, it's right. not just like, oh, that feels a little weird. I'm fine. We're just going out tonight. Like, you know, like, yeah, things start happening in that age bracket. We're in that age bracket right now where we're realizing that kind of stuff. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, HPV causes 70% of cervical cancers and precancerous cervical lesions. 70% is very high, but yes. that does leave 30% of it wasn't due to it HPV. Wasn't. And that's why I feel like if you feel like you want to get tested more regularly than, you know, everyone is saying you should, 
look into getting it done. And the Planned Parenthood, I'm just going to state this for everyone. Planned Parenthood is a fabulous resource to anyone, regardless of health insurance. Because if you cannot afford it, that is where the money is going. Their money is going to preventive services to help you. It's not like all of their money isn't going to all these other things that is all certain people only talk about. I know that because I used Planned Parenthood when I did not have insurance. And thank Mm -hmm. God they were available because I was able to go there and um, basically I just told them, like, this is what I'm making. I'm making minimum wage right now. What can I get done? And some years I didn't have to pay anything. Other years it was like a $20 thing. And they asked if I wanted a payment plan for that. You know, like, so there are resources out there um, if you are blessed enough to be near a Planned Parenthood, I highly recommend you calling them and asking them. Um, and and look like into the biggest that. thing you said, no judgment. They do not judge you. They're not there to lecture you on anything, either your you know your sexual history, no. any of those kind of things. They are there to just provide you with the healthcare in an unbiased, mm-hmm. unjudgmental, um, which wouldn't that be great if you could say that in every medical office? Right. Um, obviously, it also depends very much where you live geographically and socioeconomically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I think like that's the hard thing is that I think when they finally discovered that HPV was the leading cause mm-hmm. of cervical cancer, uh, I know that it's like there's a lot of Hulu ads about HPV and like, almost like really, because there is a vaccine that's for mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, uh, all of that kind of stuff was very much getting pushed down people's throats, um, even in its early stages of development or release, I should say, for that vaccine. But I think one of the things that Alicia said is really important too, that that's not the only way like mm-hmm. that that cancer develops. And so uh, some people possibly why it's developed later in life is they might not have had a promiscuous sexually uh, active years in their 20s and it Mm -hmm. develops and so then it becomes this question of well how you know um I did want to just say some of my light research and by light research I reference Google (laughs) 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 because I am not out here in textbooks I'll tell you that much that I, I see a lot, um, especially because of the things that Alicia and I have gone through medically. There are a lot of things, and this is just a content warning. I don't like to call them trigger warnings anymore, content warning. When you Google this kind of stuff, you are going to see references into the cervical cancer diet and how to avoid mm-hmm. this. And so um, – what's the saying? Like coalition is not causation. And so uh, things that you ingest or do not ingest will not determine how these things pan out for you inside your body. Um, So you just don't want anybody to like Google that and see that because that's the first thing, one of the first top 10 that kind of popped up was like, what should you eat to avoid getting this? And so that's another method of like, if you got it and you followed all of those things, then you would then blame yourself somehow mm-hmm. for having cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who don't even know what a cervix is. Maybe we should 
I don't know. There's all the all the lady bits listeners probably know what it is. But, um, we probably should say what that is. <laughs> so go for it. Hold <laughs> on. Let me. I mean, I want to get the exact clinical uh, definition because mine is not going to be clinical. No, I mean I know what it is and where it is, and I don't know how to describe any of that. So I appreciate you looking this up. So it is the lower narrow end of the uterus that forms a canal between your uterus and your vagina. So that's, it's, it's a body part, a lady bit Mm -hmm. body part. And its purpose is basically like allows fluids inside and outside of your uterus. So spoiler alert, it's just a whole inside a woman's body that goes up in there. Like the cervix opens you up for everything. Yep. And so that cervix actually is, is almost like, like a special uh, muscle that kind of keeps it all in there, you know? Um, And so that's why cervical cancer can be detrimental because there are very sensitive organs Mm -hmm. to which rely on the cervix. You should see, I wish we could, we need to start a YouTube so you can see my little cupping hands right now. Um, keep that in because there are moments in a woman or a lady of a, a human with lady bits where like if the cervix fails, there can be prolapsing that mm-hmm. happens where organs can uh, come out and emerge from that. Um, and so that can also be um, a really, really uh, traumatic experience. Um, and so they'll have to do some things up in there to, uh, you know, help the things stay where it's not so bad stay where it's supposed to lord lord anyway okay so now we know that is sorry uh, i just if we have we might have some listeners that don't know what that is or no and i think a lot of people know that they have one if you know but they don't know where it is and what it is Mm -hmm. like they know it opens because they've heard on tv shows that her cervix is dilated four centimeters Mm -hmm. but what does that mean you know yeah yep also Which just is another thing that shows how powerful the body is that like mm-hmm. this hole that's not normally the space that's not normally the size that it is will mm-hmm. expand to 10 centimeters. A little scary. It's the size of a grapefruit. Right. I was like, as I was saying it, I was like, oh, that sounds very familiar as to the size yeah. of, of you. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> not you. <laughs> I am only the size of a grapefruit. <laughs> Just a little little thing, and I pop you on my shoulder. And we go for a walk. Yeah. No, I have, I, I have a, I, my superpower is I grow things in the body that are not supposed to be. This is an episode for another day, but I have something that is of ten centimeter size. <laughs> So uh, I just know that that's a great fruit. <laughs> I can't be I don't go around measuring my life in fruits, but if I did. Jess was like, oh, yours was a large lemon. I'm going to beat you, Alicia. I'm going to grow me a grapefruit in a month. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so... <laughs> With that, so I just want to talk a little bit about um, the transmission. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something that I'm reading from the National Cervical Cancer Coalition. Um, But I just want to get it right so that people know, like, how 
how HPV in particular is transmitted. So HPV is usually passed by genital to genital and genital to anal contact, even without penetration. The virus can also be transmitted by oral to genital contact, although this probably occurs less often. Studies show that male condoms can reduce HPV transmission to females, although condoms only protect the skin they cover, which is interesting. And I also saw another statistic that there are 14 million, 14 million new HPV infections in the U.S. each year. Million. 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 That is just showing how large this is. Right, but that's even cut down from what it used to be. So. Um, but they also call cervical cancer the cancer that could go away. And that's yes. why, like, the vaccine was created and all of this um, in that effort to help it. So yeah. um, science can really help with the evolution oh, yes. of this if people listen and find the right resources to answer the questions that they need. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think it's also a testament to that part of the body because that part of the body is a very strong part of the body. Um, But again, how simple it is, how simple the test is to show if there's something abnormal, right? And um, again, I was just looking up because I remember there's a big campaign in the UK about stop withholding a smear test. They call it just a smear. They don't put the pap on top of it. Um, They just call it a smear. And they have like, I think when you're in your 20s to 30s, it's just one every three years. And again, I think like we have to be mindful that science does evolve. But if something is so simple Mm -hmm. to just see if there is something abnormal and it's to be perfectly fair, though, for some people it is it is painful. So I'm not going to say that it's painless and quick and simple. It is a simple test. It can be done right in the doctor's office, less than 10 minutes. But like, again, why do we limit something that we could test every year just to, to keep people healthy? You know, yeah. like... Uh, and there might come a time, because maybe someone will say, because they're, you know, past 50, and they're like, I am not sexually active with other people. I'm completely confident that I could probably go to a once every three or five years just to stay on top of things, you know, like, but I, I just don't understand why we limit things like that um, in this day and age where we could take that 14 million. And if, you know, people are getting the vaccine and people are being conscious about their sexual activity mm-hmm. um, and, and getting tested more frequently, would we be able to, you know, also like, cause I know there's an HPV test that they can do to know if they are carrying that virus mm-hmm. so that that would prevent them from having additional partners that they could potentially spread it to all that good stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's very interesting, but it's, it's, it's one of those, it's for me, it's one of those cancers that, um, we, it's a, it's a blurb, right? Like bl- breast cancer awareness month, ovarian cancer. Awareness. It's like very, like it's quick. Um, and we're like, Oh, it's so sad. And no one thinks about it till it affects them yeah. kind of situation. So, cause like no one, I don't think that I've ever been like, you know what January is. Right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what it was until I looked it up. 
Yeah. Like, what, what, instead of being like, oh, we don't know, like, every woman just, every person with Lady Bits parts just gets a, a, a smear in January. Yeah. Make yeah. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's just what we do. Well, and I hope things start to change because I think part of the limitation with women's health has been the fact that women have been lacking in the medical field and in the labs and in just science in general. And I know that those statistics are changing. Um, I know that the numbers of doctors, at least I was having a conversation with somebody who's in charge of education at Mayo Clinic when we were there. And she said that she has five women in her class to every one man. Oh, wow. Nice. And I'm not saying that women will make better doctors, but I do think women will look into the concerns differently because it's for them. Yep. Just like men looked at erectile dysfunction and decided to do something about it, you know, yep. um, mm-hmm. which actually that pill was starting off as something else. And I can't remember it right now, but I just think that hopefully the more women or the more um, people who view themselves as um, non-binary or, you know, female or whatever that situation may be. I hope more of them get into the medical field to help change that. I do not have a science mind. It is not for me to find um, cures and answers to all of the sciences, but I will support them in all of that. And I think that there are good male doctors out there for women. I do just think a lot of the resources have been limited because they don't think about our health. Like we think about our health, just like we don't think about their health like they do theirs. Yep. Well, and it starts with the education too, because the education that they're getting as they're going through med school and their specialty programs um, has, you know, it's a slow evolve, you know, like the textbooks, you only spend so much time, right? And healthcare here in the United States is so different than everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is hard because a lot of those textbooks originated from uh, male identifying people who had a very slow scope. And then the medical field was obviously trained around that. And we don't even want to get started as to how we all got into things like epidurals and pain management because that was the, the abuse and and torture of black and brown women. Right. Um, that's a podcast for another day. Um, and, uh, you know, like, again, we've both experienced that medical gaslighting from a sense of, no, these shouldn't be that way. And so, but that's education. That's like mm-hmm. the exposure that they had. So I think as education evolves and more women are getting into the field and then more women are leading uh, case studies and mm-hmm. clinical trials and challenging the old norms and the own paradigm, the old paradigms, mm-hmm. we're going to get better results and we'll see them. And we're seeing, I don't know that we'll see everything in our lifetime, but we are seeing, you know, leaps and bounds in the science field right now. So, yeah. um, but you know, uh, again, it just comes to advocating for yourself, know yeah. your body, know your rights. Like Alicia said, check your own insurance plan. If you are lucky enough to have insurance, check to see what it does cover. You do not have to just go by what your doctor says or vice versa. If your doctor's mm-hmm. like, I want it every year and your insurance is like, no, have your doctor advocate for you because they can flag you as a, like if there's a hist- family history or um, mm-hmm. high risk 
or anything like that. So um, don't be afraid to do that. It is extra work. It is can sometimes feel maddening, but it is okay to advocate for yourself. You are not wrong when you're doing that. So Absolutely. All right. Well, that was a good little conversation. Yeah. And we will see you all next time. Remember, your voice is your voice. So use it how you want. Love it. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week. We are so thankful to our listeners for taking time out of their day to listen to our podcast. You are all so appreciated. Our podcast is self-produced and edited. With your support and help, we would love to reach more people. So don't forget to review our podcast on any of the streaming services you're listening to us on. Apple Podcasts, Podcruncher, Spotify, etc. And share with your friends. We invite you to share the conversation with us. You can email us at conversationswithanj at gmail.com. Find us on socials at conversationswithanj on Instagram and Facebook. Remember, every good conversation comes from good listening.